Our priest is a dying man. The dying men, women, youth. And I will preach as though I will never preach again. So God, God has his reasons for why he saves us in stages. Sanctifies us slowly, makes us fill up every day at his pump. Lest we forget where the gas comes from. Welcome to Follow Me to Heaven, where God's word is truth and your questions matter. So we've been in Ephesians and we are in chapter 3 and Paul just went off into this rabbit trail, but it's a good rabbit trail because he is laying out the reason why uh, he is praying in the first place. And this is the uh, transitional part that we're going to get into in chapter 3. Um, but today we'll be focusing on just three verses, three short verses. Uh, but there's a lot in there to think about, to ponder, um, so that whenever we come back uh, the next time, uh, we will get a better understanding uh, what's going on. So let's go ahead and just begin. Let's begin in chapter 3. Let's start in verse 1. And we're going to read on all the way till the end of the chapter. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God, who created all things, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he might grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit and in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, 
according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So, that is a lot, which is why we have been breaking down chapter 3, and we've been in chapter 3 for quite some time. Uh, but this is good, so that we may slowly, carefully walk through God's Word, uh, written by Paul, Paul being led by the Holy Spirit, and uh, him writing all of this. Uh, there's a lot that God wants us to know here. Um, and even Paul, like he goes off into this type of a rabbit trail, but it's a good rabbit trail because he lays out his assumption that they are believers and this is what they've come to believe and understand and this mystery that Paul wants to uh, convey to the Gentiles, uh, to the Ephesians, right? So at the beginning of chapter 3, verse 1, it says, For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, uh, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace. And then he goes on. That is his rabbit trail right there, right? He begins with, for this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles. He was going to say something else, but instead he gives a side note. And this is the side note, the mystery that was made known. And even Paul is making it known as he is writing this. And in verse six of chapter three, he tells us, this mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. So that right there is what Paul wants the Ephesians to know and understand, like assuming that they've heard of this grace that was given, right? So this is God's grace to us as Gentiles, that we get to be partakers of the same promise that was given to uh, God's people a.k.a. Israel, right? And the Jews, they took that so far as to even call those who are not Jews the uncircumcision. In a way, that is insulting because it's kind of saying that you do not have the circumcision. We do, and what the circumcision represents is that we are marked uh, with this mark that rep causes us to represent God or we represent God. And this is why. This is my proof. Um, but here, Paul is letting us know that it is by God's grace that we are saved. And not only that, in verse uh, 6, this mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body and partakers of, promise, of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. What's the gospel? Well, that God took on flesh. In a person of Jesus Christ, and he lived a sinless life, born of a virgin, um, and carried the cross, died on a cross for the sins of his people, and was buried. And on the third day, he rose from the grave, and he ascended into heaven. So he defeated death, and now he has assumed his rightful throne as king. And if we come to believe in that, trust in Jesus and repent from our sins, because that's the very reason why Jesus was put on a cross. Not for his sins, because he didn't sin, but for ours, that he come to save. And that's what makes him a savior, or the savior. So, that's what Paul is getting at here in his little 
uh, side note, his uh, rabbit trail. But then, verse 13, he kind of like transitions so that he can come back to his first thought. He says, So I ask you not to lose heart over what I'm suffering for you, which is your glory, right? Paul is suffering, but Paul is basically saying, don't don't lose heart over what I'm suffering because it's for you and it's for your glory. And then he gets into verse 14. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. So, for this reason, right? What reason? What did he just tell us? Well, I just mentioned that, right, in chapter 3. But not only that, also take into account chapter 1 and 2, right? Um, just letting us know that we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places through Christ, being in Christ, and chapter 2, letting us know that we were dead in our sins and trespasses, but God, in verse 4, it says, but God being rich in mercy, has uh, basically saved us. Took us out of the muck, out of this sin, out of bondage to sin. And it says that with his great love, or with the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our sins and trespasses, made us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved. So that's a beautiful thing that God did for us. We were unable to come to him, but he quickened us and he made us alive. And through that, now we are able to respond. And how do we respond? Well, we respond with adoration, worship, right? Praise. And then... It says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. So notice the posture that he is uh, giving, right? It's a sense of reverence. Uh, bowing on his knees um, wasn't that common back then. Wasn't that common of a prayer, right? At the Wailing Wall, you'll still find Jews coming to the Wailing Wall standing. Because standing was the posture, right? Standing um, was more common than being on your knees, but there's there's something significant about being on your knees, or, or especially here when Paul says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. What he's basically saying is, I am in full submission, and I am in full adoration and praise and worshiping and gratitude before the Father, right? It's not that God is in front of him or the Father is in front of him face to face and now he's bowing down. But no, this sense of posture shows that he is in full submission and reverence to the Father. And he is saying, I am bow bowing down before the Father. No one else, uh, no other false God, but the true God. And it lets us know who he is bowing down in front of, right? The Father. And it says, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. So that's basically another way of saying that the Father is the one, God is the one who named 
every family that is found in heaven and every family that is found on earth. Right? God is sovereign and he says what he says a family should be. And here it says from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. God is this complete in control of everything. He's the creator of the universe and creator of you and I. And here even our families are known in a specific sense here that there is no one that God doesn't know, right? Because scripture tells us, even Paul says that we are knit together in our mother's womb. So every single person God has taken into account to know in in a specific way uh, that this person is coming into being. But not only that, he is sovereign, right? We even spoke of God's sovereignty earlier. Right, Because in verse 9 it says, And to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. Right, Who created all things is basically saying, showing God's power and his sovereignty in being in control because he is the one that created everything. Right, And here, now we go back from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. <clears throat> Verse 16, that according to the riches of glory, of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. So, what is Paul saying there? What is Paul getting at, right? So, when he speaks of spirit, he's speaking of the Holy Spirit. So, he's saying that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, right? So, it's speaking of the Holy Spirit, and here it says that according to the riches of his glory, right? First, uh, we were loved with his great love. Here we're getting the, according to the riches of his glory. So think about God's glory. Think about the time Moses asked to see God, to see his glory. And what did God do? He gave him his backside, his dust that he kicked off, uh, kicked up from his feet. And that was enough for Moses to be like, all right, <laughs> right? It's, it's amazing to see that that was just but a bit of a glimpse through a veiled face, through a veiled eyes of God's glory. Because if you ask God to show you his glory, you would not be alive. Right? Isaiah saw Jesus, right? We get that from John, right? John says that Isaiah saw not only Yahweh, but in connection to Jesus, he saw Jesus. But in Isaiah, it shows us and it tells us that Isaiah saw Yahweh, who is the Lord, who is God. And 
What is the first thing he says? He says, Woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips. I should not be here. I should not be in your presence. I, sh- I am dead. The, I, I am dead. If I'm before you right now, I'm dead. That's, that's basically his idea. But back here in Ephesians, we are, we are shown this according to the riches of his glory, of God's glory. God grants us to be strengthened, right? We cannot strengthen ourselves. This is something that comes from God and God himself. That we are strengthened by God's power through his spirit. But that is done by God's granting. He grants us this. And it says, Grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. So Paul is laying out this platform so that we can jump into chapter 4 of Ephesians. And chapter 4 of Ephesians speaks on uh, the way of life, how we should live and compose ourselves as Christians, right? The first three chapters deals with God uh, showing us what God has done, right, to us. What did God do? Now, chapters 4 through 6, Paul now lays out the foundation of this is how you are to compose yourself as Christians. So this is the transitional phase, but here it says that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit. It's the Holy Spirit who gives us this power in your inner being, right? Not the outer being, but in your innermost being, your soul, your spirit, right? So that's what's going on. That's what's happening. Or you could say the inner man, referring to the inner self as who we are. God created us to be. We are created as human beings, right? Doesn't matter what color you are. Doesn't matter what part of the earth you live on. We are all humans. We are all made in God's image. So what better way for believers than for God's spirit to dwell within us and give us this power. But what is this? What is the purpose of this power? And we will speak about that. We will talk about that later in, uh, in the later verses of chapter three, because this, this is good as we, um, transition into chapter 4. But for the meantime, let's ponder on what we just read, what we spoke about, verses 14 through 16. Let me just reread that to you. God's word cannot be exhausted. So this is what it says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner, inner being. Now, that's not the end of the um, sentence of Paul, but that's where we're going to end today. That's where we're going to stop so we can think about uh, the posture that Paul gave um, and is telling us. Um, 
his description of the father. Obviously, this is not an exhaustive uh, description, but this is one aspect that God knows every family in heaven and on earth and knows them by name. Uh, that also the riches of God's glory through that we are strengthened and that's done by God's granting because God is the one who uh, gives us all of this, not ourselves. We cannot just come to God as if he's a genie and we tell him, give me this and he'll give it to you. Uh, that's not how God works. We are to pray according to his will, not ours. And that is done by looking through the word of God and seeing what God demands from us and calls us uh, to do and be. And that's why Paul is doing what he's doing. Um, and also God's Holy Spirit, his spirit. It's the same spirit of Christ, right? And here it tells us that through his spirit in your inner being. So we are strengthened with power starting within our inner being, within our innermost you could say. And this is now where we can begin to gain an understanding of God, gain an understanding of us, and how we should compose ourselves to a holy, just, righteous God, merciful and gracious God, right? So let's let's ponder on this and let's just reread chapter three. And and I would just say Pray to God that he may give you wisdom. This is Follow Me to Heaven with Jonathan Romero.